1: Hey everybody, welcome back to Biscuits, episode 11 We are now in season 2, if we were an HBO show If we were the young Pope, we would be season 2, episode 1 I am Dave Lozo of Vice Sports and many other places Here in another new location inside the Vice offices in Brooklyn On the other end, uh, hello? Hello, who's there?
2: Hello, it is Sean McIndoo. I'm in the same location as always at my dining
1: room table in beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Home of the original 21 Ottawa Senators. Oh, congratulations, by the way. uh, Tim Raines getting into the Hall of Fame. I know as a Canadian, that's a big day. It's a big thing for Canada. You guys finally did it. We're very excited. This is like the first thing that Canada has won in sports <laughs> in about 20 years. So we're pretty pumped. Even though you screwed over Vlad Guerrero, but we won't talk about that on a hockey podcast. That's next year. Speaking of Canada, speaking of Montreal, speaking of all things top 100, since there's going to be 42 Montreal Canadiens on there, we wanted to go back to that because we talked about it last week, and we wanted to to close the loop, as uh, Sean says. And, and Sean, close the loop for us. Get into it and, and tell us all about what you're feeling and what you're thinking.
2: I don't know if we can, if we can close the loop so much, but maybe... Uh, Uh, maybe shed a bit of extra light because we did a segment last week where we talked about the nhl's top 100 players of all time that they're gonna unveil at the all-star game which is next weekend and there had been a report that there were six active players that were on that list and we talked about that and we both agreed that that seemed not just low but seemed kind of ridiculously low. low uh comically low uh, and that, uh, you got a lot of feedback on that, but almost everybody agreeing that that seemed really strange. Uh, and then, uh, after we had done that podcast, there was a, I guess, a report by our good friend, Greg Never heard of him. uh, over at Yahoo, as well as other podcasts. <laughs> and he suggested that it had been whispered to him that maybe there was a misunderstanding here and that it wasn't in fact... That there were only six current players on the top 100, but rather that there were six players who were going to be participating in the All-Star game that were in the top 100 and would therefore be part of the unveiling and, and that, that sort of thing. That makes more sense. And that does make more sense. It, it doesn't really fit with the initial reports because that those included people like Yarmer Jagger and Jerome McGinley that aren't part of the All-Star rosters, but it, it certainly makes sense when you hear names like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and those kind of guys being thrown around that, yeah, maybe we're dealing with six players who are out of the 44 that are in the All-Star game. Six players are going to be on that top 100 list. And having scanned down the rosters, now, if the number is six, that now starts to seem like kind of a high number, because I'm I'm having trouble <laughs> right. finding six people on this list. But as you and I said last week, if you're going to be wrong, err on the side of being high, because this is a marketing exercise, and you'd rather market the guys that are playing right now, if the NHL has decided to put Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and uh, you know Ovechkin obviously and Crosby will be there and a couple of other guys, I think you and I would probably agree we're we're okay with that. That that
1: seems a lot more reasonable. I mean, I'm not really okay with Taves being on the list. Kane, I feel like that's a close one, but I'm I'm not a fan of that either. But now I kind of understand why Jonathan Taves is going and Artemi Panarin isn't because. If Jonathan Taves makes the list and he's not at the All-Star game, maybe it's a little weird. That's the other piece. Because if you're the
2: NHL and you already know who's on the list, you're going to want those players to be at the All-Star game. And when the rosters were announced and Jonathan Taves, who's not having a very good season, was on there, a lot of people were kind of wondering why that was. And and this would make sense that, that he is that he's on that list, uh, and he's one of the six guys who's, who's going to be part of that.
1: Yeah, so there you go. There you go. A correction off the top. Mystery
2: potentially solved. Uh, speaking of guys <laughs> who are current players who, who may be in the top 100, uh, but are not having very good seasons, let's talk a little bit about the New York Rangers and Henrik oh, Lundqvist. It's, it's because bad, man. It's so bad. This is your beat. You, you go every chance you get to the
1: world's most famous arena— and no, 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 you watch no. No. The no, no, no. They, they play at MSG. You're, you're talking about the Prudential Center. That's that's the most famous <laughs> right. Arena. You're right. You
2: watch these Rangers because I, I, you know, I, I see the Rangers from time to time. But you know, I think I'm like a lot of people. I look at the standings. It looks like they're having a pretty good year. Uh, you know, lots of good stories. Uh, the offensively strong team. And you know, suddenly it just feels like in the last week there's been this level of panic that's kind of descended. uh uh, on on the rangers as a team and specifically on on the goaltending uh to the point where even uh one of my personal favorites larry brooks has a piece in the new york post i guess this is thursday and and the headline says the rangers are in a full-blown goalie crisis Hmm.
1: is that true well maybe not full-blown maybe like partially blown maybe like somewhat blown which, by the way, is the worst way to get blown. <laughs> Full blown's the way to go. So I was at the Dallas game. And by the way, that was just the, the the worst, best game I've ever been to. It was just an absolutely horribly played hockey game that was so entertaining for 60 minutes. I can't even begin to describe it. But um, I, I was talking about this on the, quote, other podcast. And the team in front of Lundquist, the defense specifically in front of Lundquist, is dog shit they have ryan mcdonough and just five guys who are either not good or you have a guy like brady shea who's good but he's a rookie and he's kind of having some ups and downs and when he goes into the downs you basically have ryan mcdonough and nobody else and there was a portion of that dallas game where ryan mcdonough went into the boards and got hurt and he was gone for four minutes and dallas of course scored during that four minute window because there was nobody out there to defend so it's partly that like when you have Nick Holden coughing up the puck behind the net and you have nobody taking guys in front of the net it 's just like that game was incredibly bad. Vigneault pointed it out to after the game. He was like that for three, like three of the first four goals, all we needed was a stick in the passing lane, and nobody was doing it. They were simple little plays they weren 't like these great, wonderful, perfect passes, saucer passes. It was just guys didn't didn 't do their job in front of Lundqvist. but at the same time. He just looks he looks lost. He looks like once once he gives up, like he didn't look too bad after the first two goals. Like it was a sharp uh tap in and Patrick Eves got a little rebound goal where it was kind of a little fluky, weird bounce right to him on the power play. But he gave up the Jamie Ben breakaway goal, and it's a breakaway goal and it's Jamie Ben, so you don't really think that's a bad goal, but Lundquist stops that nine times out of ten when he's on. It was a bouncing puck. He couldn't control it. He went to his backhand, he had nowhere to go but five hole, and Lundquist was just He wasn't in a good position, and you could see him in the crease after that goal. You know, goalie keeps his head down after he gives up a goal, sure, but he just looked like he looked broken. Like He looks like he's a guy who just doesn't trust anybody in front of him, and that's causing him to play differently. It's a little bit like the the Tampa playoff game a couple years ago where he gave up like five or six in Tampa because he was just not trusting his defense and he was playing differently, and when he's not sharp, he's a goalie who plays deep in the net. That leads to more goals, so... To call it a full-blown crisis, the problem is just I don't really feel like Antti Ranta is the long-term answer because people will tell you here that, oh, the defense just plays so much better in front of Antti Ranta. Ah, They play a little bit better. But at the end of the day, this team is going to win or lose because of Henrik Lundqvist. And if his confidence is rocked and if the team in front of him is playing just unbelievable garbage defense, I don't think it matters if it's Ranta, Lundqvist, or Helberg by the way went four for four in relief so he is actually the best rangers goaltender on the roster i love backup goaltenders are like the
2: second string right the third down running back of the nhl (laughs) they just they play only against bad teams and everybody's always convinced that they're just unbelievable players uh that they're so much better but i've heard that like you're echoing something i've heard from other ranger fans and like normally i normally hate it when people try to get into this whole mind reading like let's look at the body language type thing uh you know as as a leaf fan they used to I mean they just they would pick Phil Kessel apart over that if he ever put his head down or did you know but I've heard from quite a few people now saying like the Lungfist just doesn't like something looks off like he doesn't look happy he doesn't look like he's uh uh like I don't want to say like the confidence is gone I, I don't think that would would capture it but uh he just looks off and i mean you look at his numbers this is a guy who has been for over 10 years now since since the end of the lockout he's been basically the number one goalie in the league for been in, in any category you want to pick uh and has has as on his career has a 920 save percentage the last 3 years of his career 920 922 920 and this year he's 902 902 which is in in today's NHL that's
1: below average that's Cam goaltending, that's Cam Ward Andre period. Pavlik territory like it's and when you're when you're when you're at 902 some of that when you're as good as Lundqvist has been as a team in front of you but it's it's not all And that. some of it can be luck too. Yeah. Some of it can be,
2: you know, hey, like sometimes goalies have good flukes and sometimes they have bad flukes and it's just one of those years. But I mean the other thing with this guy is, you know, the the other Number that you gotta look at is the number thirty-four. Right, this guy's thirty-four years old. Goaltenders, you know, sometimes the the, the aging curve can be weird. I mean, we've seen guys play into their late thirties and be just fine, uh, but a lot of times it doesn't go that way. A lot of times, goaltenders they they get into their mid-thirties, and you know, that the, he's there because he's he's going to be turning thirty-five soon. Uh and they start to fade and and maybe you don't have that guy anymore and it feels like we've been talking about the Rangers for years about this window if it, is it open is it closing and the consensus has kind of been that as long as you've got Henrik Lundqvist as playing like one of the best goalies in the world your window is open and you can win a Stanley Cup but if he's if, if this is the beginning of the end for this guy it's it's the beginning
1: of the end for the Rangers as as presently constructed you would think Uh, like I think he knows that too I think he kind of figured that out at the end of last year because this was how they were kind of playing in front of him at the end last year when uh, Pittsburgh rolled them in the playoffs like their window closed when they lost game seven to Tampa if we're being honest about where their window is so to me you know playing you know sports psychologist who sits at the press box at Madison Square Garden 35 times a year and goes to his locker 25 times a year it's it's it could be the age thing. I think the confidence, here's here's where I think the confidence issue comes from is whenever Lundquist struggles, it's like two games max and then it's solved and he goes on a run of like six straight great starts. And I feel like he's probably exhausted all of his tricks in terms of what he would do to correct himself, what he would do to get better. And part of him probably realizes that the defense in front of him is not going to get better during the course of the season. You know, like, Mark Stahl's got a concussion. He's probably not going to come back anytime soon. Or even if he does, he's, I mean, he's better than Adam Clendenning, of course, but he looks out there and he sees Adam Clendenning, he sees Nick Holden, he sees Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein went from a really good top four defenseman to just a guy you're scared to put on the ice in like a year. He's had a weird drop off too in his game. So I, I just, I, you don't want to just go from best goalie in the league to maybe he should retire in the span of like four months, but you it, it's 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 so much more than just a team in front of him too because it it's not as though like Antti Ranta like I, I remember they they shut out Chicago one 0 in overtime and everybody was like oh man look how much better they play in front of Antti Ranta blah 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 and like it was like a twenty six shot game for the Blackhawks but like nineteen or the twenty shots were just really good grade a chances and Ranta was there and you go back and you look at Lundquist the year they lost in the conference finals to Tampa most of last year. The chances were still really good they weren't playing super defense in front of him then either it's worse now for sure but to explain a 20 point drop off just because you know Dan Girardi's out on the ice a little bit more than usual it's 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 so much more than that like I think there'll be a correction back the other way but at this point like you could you could set your watch by Lundquist being a 920 goaltender And now at best he's probably gonna get back to 910 and I think part of it too is is he probably knows the windows close. He knows he's 34. He he may think that he's already had his best chance to win a cup, but I think if you put him on a better team, like I'm always I've always been a guy who thinks the team in front of the goaltender makes the goaltender more, you know, 29 times out of 30 if you're looking at starting goaltenders. Maybe it's a time now in his career where he needs to be behind a much better team to continue to be the guy he is and he's locked in for five or six more years. It's it's a weird situation because it you're right. It's like like imagine if like next year Tom Brady, through five weeks of the season, had, like, four touchdowns and 11 interceptions. You'd be like, what the hell happened? Like, he's 39. But, I mean, just last year, he was he was almost the MVP of the league. How did this happen? So, it's wild, man. It's weird watching a guy just fall off the cliff like this. You could totally see, too. I mean, I, I it's not
2: hard to imagine, like, two weeks from now, he goes out, he wins four games, has three shutouts, and everybody's going, Can you believe that we thought that this guy, Mr. Consistency, just because he had a few bad games but, you know, it's it's not just a few bad games. I'm like, I'm looking, I, I pulled up the list. He's, right now, there's 52 goalies in the NHL that have played at least 10 games, and he's 39th for save percentage. He is at 902, Yaroslav Halaks at 904, and he got waived, <laughs> and the Islanders looked like they wanted to move. The, the last place in the conference, Islanders were like, you're not good enough to be on our team. And and they're they're looking to unload him. Connor Hallebuck is at nine oh seven, just lost his starting job in Winnipeg to Andrej Pavlet, who they brought back up from the minors. Kerry Layton is at nine hundred, and it looks like I'm I'm actively waiting for Lindy Ruff to run onto the ice and strangle Kerry Layton in the middle of a Dallas Stars game. The way that he's going. The right best now.
1: part about that is that he came out in relief of Antti Niemi up seven six, and he was lights out for the last twelve minutes of the game. He made like thirteen saves in twelve minutes to get his save percentage up to that. Uh, goaltending is
2: uh, goaltending is so right. weird.
1: But yeah, I mean, the, my
2: point there is it's it's not like he's just had a bad two weeks, and we're you know we're making a mountain out of a molehill. And I'm one of those guys. It kind of took me a while to to maybe catch up to this, but I, I feel like now we've been talking about this. Killer
1: Metro Division and these big four teams, man. It, suddenly that uh, there's time, there's time for them to fall and it's like what eight, I think it's like eight points. Carolina's back at this point with forty something games to go. Like if you're if yeah. you're if you're going to give up four or five a night for forty games, that eight point lead is not good. It would take a big collapse, but yeah. I mean,
2: right now, as of Thursday afternoon, yeah, Carolina's eight back and Philadelphia's seven back, and Philadelphia's not in the playoffs either, which kind of shows you how how quickly. A bad team yeah. can, can plummet. Um, Weird. Let, since we're talking about bad teams from New York, <laughs> let's, we might as well move over and let's do the Islanders because they finally, finally did what we've all been waiting for them to do since the off season, really, which is move to Kansas make City. a coaching change. Oh, make a coaching change. <laughs> make a coaching change
1: right
2: which is burn down their arena <laughs> for the insurance money. and flee. No, they, they fired their coach and brought in... Doug Weight on an interim basis, and like this is one of those coaching changes where it, if they had done it in the offseason, okay, I, mean, I guess in the offseason you wouldn't have done because you just want a playoff round, and maybe you're coming in with some optimism. But when you got off to the rough start, maybe you do it then. If you'd done it next offseason, I, I think nobody questions questions it because Jack Capiano had been around forever. He's one of the, I think, the third or fourth yeah. longest-tenured coach in the league. So to do it midseason when you're pretty much already done it, it it sort of raised a few eyebrows, like why, why the timing on this? And then there were some reports that came out saying that they had already either asked to or had spoken to Gerald Gallant, which would make more sense. Like if you've, if you've got somebody in mind that you want, maybe you make the move now and, and, and try to lock that person in. But if, if the idea is we just let Doug wait, sort of pilot this thing for the second half, And then we try to find somebody in the offseason. I don't know. The timing, it struck me as strange. But What about you? The
1: timing isn't that strange to me because if you, to me, it's kind of a, you, you can kind of do two things there. You can say to yourself, well, we're eight points out. We have a bunch of games in hand on almost every team in front of us. There's still time to
0: make up the ground. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all.
1: But at the same time, if you don't, then you've already opened the door to talking to Gerard Gallant, wait around for Claude Julien to get fired by Boston. Like you're, you're, you, I think you give yourself two outs by doing it that way because you know if you use Jack Abuano the rest of the way, you're not getting anywhere at this point. It's over. So. I, I do find it odd that they're like, Doug, wait, he's our guy. And then like, you know, four minutes earlier, they were like, Tell Gerard to call me back because I'm waiting for his call and I haven't heard from him. I really want him to be our coach. And they just like pop outside. Yeah, we love Dougie, wait, Dougie, Wait's our guy. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna get it done. It's just a, it's a weird dysfunctional organization or as you would call it an organization, but it's, I, the timing's not weird. I just feel like the, the circumstances around it is, is what's weirder to me. Here's, here's my
2: other question. If, let's say you're an NHL coach or someone who'd like to be an NHL coach, maybe you're like a Luke Richardson or somebody like that who's been waiting for a chance and your phone rings and it's Garth Snow, do you want to take this job no. <laughs> knowing that you're going to be a Garth Snow hire? Like, is Garth Snow going to be around much longer? Can can he survive this season? I know you've got sort of a theory
1: on that. Yeah. Well, the thing I heard... Share, share your conspiracy theory about Garth Snow. Somebody who I trust told me that before Charles Wong left and, and sold the team, at that point I was told that Garth had three years left on his contract, um, which the Islanders don't make any of that public. So I'm going by what he told me, and I believe this. I believe this person... And uh, what I was told was that before he sold the team, in order to protect Guard Snow, who he loves, Charles Wong loves Gard Snow. You just Google Charles Wong and Gard Snow and just read it. Read, it's like they're like love letters, man. Like he loves Gard Snow. I was told that he gave Gard Snow a 10-year contract extension for something in the neighborhood of like $25 million, like a slowly escalating 10-year extension to protect him from being fired right away. So if you are a coach... I mean, I feel like if you're a coach for hire, you'd probably find that out for yourself in the interview process. Like, hey, Garth, how long are you going to be here for? And he's like, 12 years. And you're like, oh, okay, then that's good. I'm not worried about you getting fired and somebody else coming in and firing me. But at the same time, the the, the Islanders allegedly don't really pay their coaches that much. So it's a new new ownership situation. But, I mean, the the arena, you don't know where you're going to be playing maybe in a year or two. Maybe you move over back to Long Island. Who the hell knows? But... It reminds me of like the coach and GM search for the 49ers. Every Like every day I see a tweet and it's like so-and-so is pulled out of the 49ers coaching search. For so and so doesn't want to be GM. He's gonna stick around with Green Bay. Like, I don't feel like the Islanders coaching situation is a hot spot to go. Not so much because of whatever's going on with management and stuff like that, but you go there, you're like, Hey, I'm the I'm the new Islanders coach. This is great. We got a lot of we got a lot of potential here, we got a lot of What's that? John Tavares isn't going to resign. Oh, I gotta go then. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to be here for a ten-year rebuild. So I think from that standpoint, it's not really an attractive position. So you let Doug Waite run the table. Maybe Doug Waite goes twenty-eight and twelve the second half, and they're a playoff team. And John Tavares loves him, and he sticks around and re signs. But I, I, I would not want to be the coach who comes in next season if the Islanders finish twenty-eighth in the standings.
2: The, the fact that Garth Snow is still a GM in the NHL is so so weird like it's been 10 years that he's been and like if if anybody out there is if you're like if you're younger or you're a new fan or you don't really remember the whole garth snow sgm origin story like 10 years ago that the islanders they fired milbury right i think they fired milbury they hired neil smith for like a week who was the guy who had built the ranger stanley cup team a decade ago so a pretty splashy hire. And he's on the job for six weeks. They fire him before the season even starts. And Garth Snow becomes the GM. And I know like like if you if you weren't following the story at the time, you've probably heard like Garth Snow went from backup goalie to GM. And you probably think like, oh yeah, he he had been the backup goalie and then he retired and he took a front office job, <laughs> job and he worked his way up very quickly. Like nope. no, like he was the backup goalie on the roster that morning. And by that afternoon, he was the general manager. And when that happened, everybody the fact I mean, the fact that it happened, period. But the fact that it happened to the Islanders, who already at that stage were, were a punchline I mean, they had Milbury and Alexi Ashen and, and DiPietro and all that stuff already. I mean, everybody was I feel like at that moment, everybody just assumed that Garceau was going to be such a disaster. the the fact that he turned out to be reasonably okay as a gm like the bar was so low and we were all so amazed that this guy like even knew which end of the phone to hold (laughs) that like i feel like that sheltered him somehow that we're now 10 years later and we're like wow good old garth is still doing it and it's like well but hold on he's won one playoff round in 10 years like reasonably okay doesn't usually get you 10 years in the nhl and, and you look around it i mean that he's i mean he's probably what like the third or fourth longest serving gm yeah. in the league right now with his current team which is amazing like if you went back 10 years and to like You know, to to September of 2006 in a time machine and tried to explain things to people, (laughs) like you could explain iPhones and Donald Trump and all that stuff, and they'd be like, "That sounds pretty weird." But if you
1: were like, "Oh, and Gar is still the Islanders GM," (laughs) they would burn you as a witch. The thing that I think protected him the most was a again ownership loved him, Charles Wong loved him, but also there was always that like, yeah, there was like the low bar because like he just sort of came from playing. A couple days earlier to running a running a team's front office, like even Steve Eiserman hung out with Kenny Holland for a few years to kind of learn the ropes before he went to Tampa. He was yeah. just like hey, he did his apprenticeship yeah. and all of that. He did he did the Olympic team and yeah. you know like and also too whenever because I feel like I feel like stat guys really like Guard Snow and I think a lot of it has to do with. Not necessarily anything stat-based, but everyone always points out, like, oh, man, the Islanders didn't spend any money. They were just trying to get to the cap floor. They were dragging Tim Thomas's contract for a year just to get there. You know, he was really limited in what he could do. But at the same time, this isn't like pre-2005 hockey where Ken Holland can just outspend you or Glenn Sather can just outspend you. You have to draft well. And the Islanders really – that's that's the debate. We were talking about this on the other podcast, too, is what – what what's the problem? Is it Garth Snow's drafting, or was it Jack Capuano developing players? Because it's hard to tell. Because Nino Niederreiter wasn't really that great with the Islanders. Now he scores twentieth season for Minnesota. They drafted Jared Spurgeon. He's over in Minnesota, scoring some pretty sweet goals against the Devils the other night. Like he's he's a good player. And like the guys they drafted, like Josh Bailey. Like I mean, Josh Bailey's been around forever now, and he's clearly he is what he is. Like he's been a disappointment. So. Who do you pin that on? Do you pin it on one? Do you pin it on both? I, I don't. I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to tell. But it just seems weird to me. Like the the, the guys that they they draft, like Griffin Reinhart, fourth overall pick. Don't even. If you're an Islander fan, well, you probably already know. But if you're not an Islander fan, and you want to laugh. Go look at the players that were taken after Griffin Reinhart went fourth overall that year. It's it's. I, I feel like it's more on Garth. But again. If if the owner loves you and the owner gives you a gigantic golden parachute on the way out the door, you're probably not going anywhere for a while. Probably not. Yeah, de- definitely. If you want to laugh, go
2: look up Griffin Reinhardt unless you're an Oilers fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, You traded too high draft picks to, to, to uh, get that player. Let's do this as one of our last topics because it's been pointed out that we spend a lot of time on this podcast uh, complaining what? about the NHL huh? and pointing out... Pointing out flaws and things that could be done better. And I think I think rightfully so. I don't think we're right. unfair. No, we're I think this is this is a poorly run league in a lot of ways and uh, a poorly presented product. And, and I think we point that out. But at the same time, when it's not, we need to acknowledge that too. And this week, we had some really high-scoring, really fun games, including that epic Capitals-Penguins game on, I, I guess, Monday, Monday night. Monday, yeah. Right. That may have been the best game of the year, and finished eight to seven in overtime. First, first overtime game that high scoring since I want to say like the early nineties. It's just just a, a crazy, a, a, a relatively normal first period, and then the things just went insane in the second period.
1: Uh, and I loved, I loved every second of it. That was that was fantastic. Well, here's here's my problem with that is is I'm. <laughs> I was watching the, I was watching the second episode of "The Young Pope between eight and nine o'clock, so I really missed almost the entire game. And also, you really just can't pay me enough money to tune in to watch a game that Pierre is calling, so for that reason I didn't put it on either. So by the time it got to that nutty second period where Pittsburgh scored six goals, I was way too invested in The, the, the young Pope, he's so young that he loves daft punk. It's it's a hilarious show. You have to watch it's so it's so freaking good. It's so ridiculously hilarious. He, he's he's like a kangaroo whisperer. There's so many things in that show that are ridiculous, but it's fantastic. But the Dallas, so the, the like the Dallas Ranger game we were talking about on the way to the rink that night, I, I said to myself, I wish I knew a bookie because I love the over in this game. This is just two teams that can't play defense. They can score goals, or goalies are totally messed up right now. But that that game. And this goes to your point too. When you were tweeting about it, the, the the Caps game, how there's this weird segment of hockey fans that totally totally beat it to zero zero hockey games because they feel like they can see the beauty in it more than the stupid fan. The eight, the this, the Ranger right. game was bad. It wasn't a good game. It was, but it was fun. So I don't understand how you could you would rather watch a zero zero bad game than a seven six bad game. Like the Canucks. Predators game the other night was just I I I was actually coming home when that game was going on like a zero zero six minutes to go nineteen seventeen shot game like why 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 would you not want the bad game with the goals and the action why
2: yeah it's no I mean I and those fans are the worst Uh, because they're not even uh. they're not even being sincere it's like you know it's like when you go to the bar with your friends. For a beer, And there's like the one guy who just won't order a regular beer. He's got to list off all the craft beers that he knows they don't have (laughs) just so he can roll his eyes and complain about how they don't, you know, because it just, he can't even taste the difference. He just wants to feel like a, he wants to feel special and wants to feel like he understands something on a level that other people don't. And it's the same with these, these people who want to tell you that these one, nothing games are fine. Like I had somebody tweet at me and they're like, there's nothing wrong with a two to one game. And I wrote back, I said, no, there's nothing wrong with some two-to-one games. There's a ton wrong with most two-to-one games. Most of the two-to-one games out there are terrible. I'm not saying they all are. I'm not saying you can't have an end-to-end exciting two-to-one game with lots of scoring chances and diving saves and all that sort of stuff. But most of them aren't that. Most of them are are terribly unentertaining games. Uh, and, you know, the flip side of that is, yeah, if you get 15 goals in a game... Clearly, part of the appeal of the games we saw this week—you know, the the eight seven game, the seven six game—that that, you are at—part of that appeal is that they happen rarely, right. you know. And and you know, back in the in the mid eighties, when this stuff happened, you know, there was one game a week like this. It 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 wasn't the same. And and some, you know, if you're going to have a fifteen goal game, sometimes you get the eight seven game in overtime, and sometimes that fifteen goal game is eleven to four. And it's a terrible game, and and it's just badly played, and there's there's no suspense at all that on on who's going to win. Um, I'll tell you though, even those games are, can be fun because at least that, you know somebody's racking up some big numbers, or so, you're going to have something to talk about uh, other than you know how many block shots did uh, <laughs> did somebody have? But yeah, I mean, the, you know, as as I, I feel like over time, I've become kind of one of the loudest complainers about the lack of scoring in the nhl and the the lack of entertainment value in a lot of these games so you know i i gotta say that that game you know the two games because because you're right the ranger stars game fall fell into that category too those are great games i could i could you you put that in front of me and i remember why i'm a hockey fan and i remember why uh i i spend so much time thinking about and caring about and and wanting to be a fan of this league because every now and then it reminds you what the sport can be when uh people are actually having fun and, and trying to trying to score goals and and be entertaining and not just clamp it down and not make their coach mad you want to do some questions want to
1: do some reader questions before we get out of here we might as well yeah what do you got this, this first one made me laugh crack me up it's from Zeke Hartman, who goes by Zeke H Five on Twitter, and he asks, "How great is it that the NHL may now screw up being the first team to play a home game in Las Vegas because the NFL season starts four weeks before the NHL?" <laughs> yeah, I laughed too when I heard it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's classic NHL. Oh uh, god, okay. that
2: is yeah, exactly. Be the first ones in and then get bumped out of the spotlight before it even happens. And and I don't know, I I, I it, this is we're we're talking about the the fact that the Oakland Raiders are the NFL. Uh, have have apparently decided to move to Las Vegas. Now I don't know if they're going to be there for next year. I thought there was potentially a, a few years of delay while they get their stadium yeah. built. But even then, I mean, the NFL is such such an eight hundred pound gorilla that it's it's if you know it's on the way, uh, that's that's got to suck a lot of the oxygen out of the uh, you know out of the appeal because that you know that was it right the they the Golden Knights were going to go in and be the first team that Vegas, not Las Vegas, but just Vegas could embrace as their own. And uh I hope they call themselves the Vegas Raiders. Like that would just be the the best slap in the face if they also dropped the drop the loss and Yeah. Good I hope I hope hope the NHL enjoyed it while it lasted. You had about six minutes in the spotlight and four of them were you
1: not being able to get your video to work. <laughs> Tyson Thorpe of Tyson underscore Thorpe wants to know which of the four major North American men's sports would you prefer to see played in the nude? Baseball. <sighs> the people who send you questions are weird. <laughs> Think about baseball. They're really Like, imagine weird. baseball. You have, like, a nude guy squatting behind home plate for three hours just right in your face. That'd <laughs> that, that would be hilarious. That would be so funny. I feel like every slow-motion replay of a guy swinging the bat <laughs> naked would be horrifying and hilarious at the same time like like hockey you can't do it i feel like hockey like you you would get you would get injured like like baseball you can do it because it's there's no there's no contact basketball like just imagine like imagine like a basketball player rising up to dunk on a dude over his head with just his 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 sack dangling in the wind like that, that that's an that's an image worth 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 considering football I don't know. I don't know if there's really any sort of football, man. I still, I still can't get over guys getting tackled by their hair. So,
2: <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Let's,
1: can we find one more question to close on? <laughs> I'm trying to find any more that involve nudity and/or sports. Here. <laughs> um, it's weird. Every time I, every time I, I call for questions, somebody always wants to ask about Justin Schultz in some sort of form or another. One, one guy, one guy wants to know. Um, how much do you think Colorado pays for Justin Schultz next season? Probably a lot. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Do you know, you know who Kevin O'Leary is? I got a question involving Kevin O'Leary. I feel like it's a name I should probably know. I do. Who is Kevin O'Leary? No, no, you 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 shouldn't. No? Kevin O'Leary is uh,
2: a kind of Canadian... Uh not not really even celebrity, but he's he's thrown his hat in for the leadership of the Conservative Party in Canada and he's basically uh... trying to be the Canadian Donald Trump. Oh, that explains the question. He's, then. He, he, yeah. He is he is trying to to sort of follow that same like, hey, I'm on TV and now I'm gonna even though I'm incredibly rich, I'm gonna complain about elites and pretend that I'm uh, you know, some some common uh, steelworker type. And and the the added bonus is he's not even he doesn't even live in Canada. What? Like he lives down and like he lives in Boston, ah. but he's going to come back and he's going to try to become prime minister of Canada, which is the, the only reason if like if you're in the United States, the only reason you need to know about this guy is because in addition to all of the other horrible things that are happening in your country right now, you also have to deal with smug Canadians Oh God! who are like, oh. oh, we would, we would like, that would never happen in Canada. And Kevin O'Leary is like, let's find out, <laughs> let's give it a try. And, you know, like, I mean, we, we had Rob Ford as mayor of our biggest city for, for a little while. And, and, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have not reelected him if he hadn't gotten sick. So I don't know. This is, if, if you're, an american and you're sick of like healthcare jokes and all this stuff from smug canadians uh root
1: for this guy because he you'll be able to throw it right back in our face well uh when i see a hole in that plan because if he's just like donald trump and they start having like twitter fights and pissing contests we're gonna nuke each other like if if i when i get nuked i want it to be north korea we're not nuking
2: any like i mean he'll he'll tweet
1: irresponsible things about throwing
2: snowballs at other countries, uh, which is like (laughs) our equivalent. We'll all line up along the border and just like Uh, put like snowballs, little chunks of ice in the middle and and whip them across. But no, he's not, he's like, he was like on the Canadian, like you you guys have like shark tank or whatever it is down there that he, he was like on the Canadian version of that where like you show up with an invention and they give you like $500 in Canadian tire money to, to go and invest in it. And now he wants to be the leader of, uh, of our country, which, of course, he can't be because you can't be the leader of a country when you're a TV star. You have to be the good-looking son of right. a former leader. Yep. That's, the, that's the qualification to, to be prime minister up here.
1: What's the Canadian version of Shark Tank? Is it like caribou tank or moose tank or caribou cage? I, I want to say it's the lion's den, but yeah, you're right. It should be like the, <laughs> like the
2: hungry moose standing on standing on on the road
1: you need to take to get to your cottage. Let's do one more. Let's do a hockey question and then get the hell out of here. Let's do oh, – oh, Dan Straightedge. Dan Straightedge asks podcast questions all the time. I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name because I'm going to insult him because I'm going to mispronounce it. But he wants to know – why do the Bruins play well then rubbish? Is he British? This guy, I like that rubbish. They can beat loose to anyone at any time. Yeah, why is that? Because they're they're such a good five on five possession team. They got Tuukka Rask. Like, how do they? How are they crapping away three goal leads to the Red Wings? I don't get it. I mean, I feel I feel like
2: first of all, like ninety percent of teams in the NHL, you could say the exact same thing for yeah. that they yeah. beat good teams and they lose to bad teams because there's so much parity. Everybody's the same. Every NHL team can beat every other NHL team and, and it wouldn't like, I mean, if you turn on the highlights tonight and they were like, yeah, the blue jackets lost to the coyotes or the avalanche, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Why not? Uh, so, you know, at but the Bruins are, yeah, the, the Bruins are a weird one because there's all this talk now about Claude Julian and is he going to be fired? And there was even like, it felt like maybe after they blew the Wednesday night, the, the big lead against the Red Wings, it, it felt like maybe Thursday was going to be the day and, mm-hmm. and maybe it still will be. I don't know. I maybe mean, by the time people hear this on Friday, maybe there's a coaching change or maybe we have something to talk about next week, but the Bruins are such a weird team because they're a great possession team and a terrible shooting team. Yep. And that adds up to being a very average team. The numbers guys will tell you that if you got to be good at one of those things, you want to be good possession because that's predicts the future. Whereas your shooting percentage can kind of fluctuate and, be a little bit out of your control and, and usually comes back to normal so in theory the bruins are in good shape in reality they're they're clinging to the playoffs and really aren't even doing that because they've got like 18 games in yeah. hand over all these teams chasing them because the schedule is, is weeks. ridiculous this year uh so yeah I, I don't know i wish i knew what was going on in boston but it, it feels like they're getting ready to maybe make a coaching change even though i i think everybody seems to feel like this is not claude julian's fault and that a coaching change is only going to make it a lot worse but
1: i guess you know if 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 jack capuano is available you got to jump on it <laughs> they feel like the kings from a couple years ago that missed the playoffs where they're just slot just slobber knocking teams at five on five but they just can't put the puck and then like Priest bergeron is just having his worst season ever yeah why isn't patrice bergeron at the all-star game if, if jonathan taves can go just send Send our boy Patrice because he's not in the top 100 apparently. Yeah, if only he had won one more. Cup. I wonder if the if the Bruins would have beaten the Blackhawks in 2013 if Bergeron would be there instead Ooh. of Tays. Yeah, then it'd be two to yeah. two. They're both kind of the same yeah. guy. They're both kind of the same offensive player. They're both selkie guys. Yeah. What the hell? God damn, Dave's- That's a great. That's that'd be a great what if. Oh, man.
2: If that one shift hadn't happened, Dave Boland mm-hmm. doesn't have a 25 million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. Wow. And. Patrice Bergeron is
1: considered better than Jonathan Taves. Corey Crawford's making like three point five instead of six. That, that's a really good what if. That'd be like a good like alternate universe like comic book story where like like Superman's like a Russian. You ever see that that one where he's he landed in Russia? Like that would be like that. Except for we need to, uh, we need to get on that. Let's do it. All right. Anything else? Are we done?
2: You guys to talk? I about? think we're done. We should probably. I think. We're done. Well, you tell me. Are are people kicking the door down to
1: kick you guys out of there? No, they the I feel like we rushed, and now oh, okay. like it's it's like it's like two oh one, and like there's nobody. Usually there's like four people standing outside of a glass window at this <laughs> point, holding laptops and like sighing heavily while I look out there and like give the middle finger, metaphorically, not real, because I don't want to get I don't want to get called in by HR. But um, I feel like I feel like we could probably talk about more stuff if we want to make Tim work. Tim's just sitting here. Tim's got nowhere to go. Tim's just hanging out watching us watching us do our thing. Oh, we should talk about um our our project that me you and and that 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 other blogger Greg Wischinski you're doing. But um he's a little skeptical about our and his ability to get it done by Monday. So he's afraid to give specifics and to give oh, there's a person. I wow. I, just got, I just got the face. I just, I just got a face from somebody holding a laptop as they she rounded the corner and saw me in there. Uh, All right. <laughs> um, well, that's good. That's I I like how you just cliffhangered
2: it then. You've got <laughs> You've piqued everyone's interest yeah. with this mysterious project that may or may not be announced as early as Monday. Ideally Monday. Uh, yeah. But it's ideally Monday. Tuesday the I feel like you're hinting as if, like, it's almost as if you guys are waiting for one person involved in the project to finish something that they were supposed to have done today. Oh, is that you? And,
1: yeah, oh. I think so. Oh, I, was, I didn't realize that.
2: I might, I might be the problem. I thought I was the last one this uh, morning. Oh my bad. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that. Uh, I'll get on that right now. And yeah, it's uh, well. I'll tell you what. Let's let's leave it as a cliffhanger then. But uh, t- except to say that it's it's actually a pretty cool project, and I hope that people check it out and uh, hear about it uh, as soon as it's ready, which will be soon, maybe as soon as Monday, and uh, it will give us definitely a lot to talk about uh, probably at next week's show.
1: And maybe after 11 episodes, maybe episode 12 will be the one where we talk about an NHL trade that happened. So we'll see you then. Bye.